Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Authentic Audience Podcast. My name is Krista Ritma, and I'm your host. Just wanted to start by saying thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm so grateful to have so many listeners that allow me to do this every week, especially during this time of the COVID crisis. It's been the most beautiful way to connect with people. I find sitting here on my floor at 9 a.m. connecting with Martin, he's on the other side of the world and total strangers, yet this total commonality, this total oneness in what's happening in the world. There's a vulnerability, there's a gentleness, there's an honesty that is just amazing and finding the beauty. I'm really finding the beauty in these conversations. It's weird meeting a stranger during this time and We talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast, but what a beautiful conversation today with Martin Johnston. He's the founder of Crafted Society. He's a social entrepreneur doing amazing work in the world, celebrating artisans in Italy and all over the world. His um, products are absolutely stunning. We dive deep into just the whole topic around luxury for good and what's really going on in Europe and how him and his wife are completely disrupting the industry in such a beautiful way. I love disruptors and he teaches me a lot. I think education is really important, especially um, with consumers. I think we need to know in order to change, in order to change our habits. And he has a really poetic and beautiful way of educating me on what's happening and how to support uh, his company and their mission and what they're doing. And it's so cool because what we do is so different, but our missions are so similar. When you're listening, you'll hear him say things that I say all the time in my business and really similar beliefs. And I really appreciate that. I um, am getting more and more involved and just aware of how I'm shopping and who my money is going to. And I think obviously I'm not alone in that, right? It's a whole mission that's happening. And we really dive dive deep into that today. We talk about transparency. Um, he tells me all about how they started, um, where their money goes, who they support and why, and just his passion, his overall passion for what he does. It really goes back to my whole conversation around Dharma. And um, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and when you're doing that thing that lights you up, it's really a different energy and you can feel that today in this conversation. So really excited for you to listen to this one. It's a beautiful conversation and yeah, I hope wherever you are, you enjoy it. Martin Johnson is a social entrepreneur, CEO, investor, and senior leader. He is founder of Crafted Society and the Honest Luxury Movement. Crafted Society is a transparent, direct-to-consumer brand which uses luxury for good. They provide 100% visibility to the people behind the artisans and craftsmanship labels and give back to causes which provide access to quality education for the next generation. Welcome, Martin. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, being flexible with the timing, with everything that's going on. Our Wi-Fi was like terrible last week, which is my worst nightmare. So, thank you for <laughs> thank you for joining me. Um, I always start by just asking my guests, "Where are you? How are you?" and tell me what's going on in your life today. Sure, uh, we're based in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands. Um, and yeah, amid all of this uh, uncertainty, we are uh, still remaining positive. We're continuing to work on behind the scenes uh, on our brand. Um, obviously, we've been deeply affected um, because 100% of our production uh, originates in Italy. Not only does our finished goods come from Italy, but also our components and raw materials. So we've been Uh, pretty much uh, brought to a standstill with the current COVID-19 situation. But um, the Dutch government have run a little bit more of a liberal uh, lockdown program. So, you know, that means that our our children are at home, they're being house-schooled in between. All of that, we're still trying to prepare for when our new products will arrive and stay positive and reach out to as many of our customers as we can with 
news articles, relevant things to keep them joined together as a family. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely an unprecedented time. But you know, we believe that the whole honest fashion, honest luxury movement is uh, is going to be, if not more stronger, when we come out of this uh, pandemic. I totally agree with you. I just, I just clicked for me that all of your stuff is happening over in Italy. I just was looking at everything and that wasn't even hitting me. Do you have any idea when things are like, do you have any more information than we do? (laughs) Yeah, well, we we're, we're in contact with all of our partners, whether that be our shoe guys, our bag guys, the cashmere people. I mean, you know, these are partners, but they're really family to us. So we're in contact with them on a weekly basis. Um, And it seems now that with the restrictions being slowly lifted in Italy, that a lot of our artisan partners are looking at getting back on May the 3rd. What we did already back in February, towards the end of February, was that we we place new orders with them. Um, We're a seasonless business, which helps us a lot. But we not only put those orders through, we also put down prepayments because, you know, the one thing that all of the the workforce in Italy needs when we come back to this are orders and, and work. You know, I've been shocked, to say the least, with a lot of major cash rich companies canceling orders and putting the burden on, you know, the footsteps of the producers during this pandemic. So that was something that even before the major headlines came out, um, we wanted to ensure that, you know, we were there to also support all of our people that work with us in Italy. Wow. That's, that's amazing which just goes back to the whole mission of what you're doing and why it's so important. So I'd love to dive into that. I've done my research sure. and I've read all about you and your wife. You are business partners. Um, so my my husband and I are also business partners. So I do have some questions on that, but I'll, I'll save that sure. for the end. Um, <laughs> It takes uh, it takes a lot of strength and compromise to work with your partner, I find. So I always love meeting people who also work with their partners because we're rare. We're a rare bunch that yes. decide to do it. Um, yes. <laughs> but I'd love to start with your trip to India and just how this all started for you because I don't think very many of my listeners know. So Crafted Society is a luxury brand and just looking at the website. I'm just, I've literally had those coral shoes up on my, <laughs> like, heart, like hearted and saved for like the last two weeks since I found them because your stuff is just so stunning and so beautiful. But I'd love to sort of go back and hear how this began for you and why you're so passionate about it. Sure. I mean, you know, I've worked in the industry for, for more than 20 years and I've been fortunate enough to work for a lot of global, uh, widely recognized brands. And in 2012, my kind of corporate career culminated when I got a call from uh, Santa Monica in Los Angeles from a company called Tom's that asked me if I would be interested to become the the CEO for Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, And I, I found that super interesting because although, let's say, the actual product side had been a true passion for me, I think also being the father of a young family, um, starting to put your own life and consumption habits into perspective. I wanted a, a, a job that had more meaning and I found that uh, by joining Tom's. I thoroughly enjoyed my time and we, we grew exponentially in, in our region, which is a pretty big region of about one point. 5 billion, I think, people. Um, And our business just, it it went off and I thoroughly enjoyed it until one day I got a phone call from the founder when he said that, you know, they were looking at selling, selling the business to bring on new partners, et cetera. And in October, 2014, the company was sold to a private equity firm. So after a few months, um, I kind of decided that maybe that was a a decent time for me just to take a pause and uh, step back and really consider what it was I, I really wanted to do. And, you know, I've always been hit very hard by the quote that, you know, if you don't build your own dream, someone else is going to hire you to help build theirs. And it's I kind love of that. Like, it, was that, it was that like career crossroads moment where we're sitting down together as a family after I'd, uh, I'd stepped down. I said, you know what? 
what's happening? Where am I going to go? There were some offers on the table for, for new jobs. And me and my wife have always had this dream to start our own brand where we could infuse it with our own values. And we kind of said, well, let's maybe look at that, but let's not jump into it. So um, in the summer of 2015, we decided to go and take a trip to India and we visited a, a charity partner that was run by some friends of ours that were providing daycare facilities to the kids in the slums of New Delhi. Wow. And I think that that really, you know, it, it had such a, a deep impact on the pair of us that when we came home, you know, we were like, look, let's let's take this knowledge that I'd I'd garnered at Tom's and take these personal experiences of us volunteering in the slums and supporting our, our charity friends and see if we can apply that to actually what we were really passionate about, which was yeah, unique individually handmade, crafted artisanal products. And, you know, we, we kind of sat on that dilemma for quite a while because um, luxury and philanthropy don't necessarily <laughs> always go hand in hand. Right. So, you know, we, we were kind of like, look, I think we know what we want to do. And we know where we want to make it. We want to make, you know, beautiful sneakers and beautiful bags and all limited edition, but they've got to be made by the best people out there. And we've had this love affair with Italy for as long as we can remember. Like, yeah, we want to do it all in Italy. So we kind of thought by the middle of 2016, we'd have our brand up and running. Well, that wasn't the case. We'd gone to Italy and uh, as you may know, luxury consumer goods brands are extremely secretive of who makes their products. They, they talk a lot about craftsmanship, but they never actually put the limelight onto the individuals, the people, you know, the people who actually make the product. So it took us almost a year to find these best in class people and also convince them that our approach was outside of being, you know, crazy in their opinion <laughs> right. with something with something that could potentially work so you know we'd, we'd set off on this journey to find these these artisans and after about six months of going back and forward to Italy um, we're driving between the west coast and the east coast from Tuscany over to the Marche and you know every time we met these talented people we always sat down and asked them what their biggest challenges were that they were facing and um, all of them or none said that they were struggling to identify the next generation to come in and learn what had been passed down to them you know over the generations so you know we we kind of said at that moment wow you know we've got to do everything we can to help preserve a crafted society a time when people can really appreciate things that are made by professionals skilled people um, and we need to we need to do something about this. So it makes a lot of sense when you understand coming out of the industry that these people have almost no opportunity to go and market themselves to the younger generation because they're bound by confidentiality agreements. Wow. So when they when they sign up and say they're going to produce for a you know a big big house, that house always wants them to sign a confidentiality clause. And um, so the, the issue with that is that the younger generation, they know the labels. Mm. If the artisans that produce for the labels are not, are not allowed to go and market themselves by using those names, then they remain anonymous. And I think that's where we decided, okay, we need to break this circle and, and do something about it. Wow. How did that how did that go over with some of the bigger labels? I mean, you guys are quite the disruptors in the industry. How, what was the reaction like or what has it been like? Um, I think we're, we're still, I would probably give you the analogy that, you know, while you're, while you're small in a lot of the bigger brands eyes, they don't perceive you to be anything more than, uh, you know, maybe people with pipe dreams. Um, mm. wow. <laughs> so they, the, the, the bigger labels have not really um, come to us or approached us. But at the same time, look, we, we don't call out the labels. Um, that's mm. not our job. We definitely want to preserve the, 
the workflow that these artisans have with them, the thing that we're doing is just we're proud of who makes our products and we believe that they have a right yeah. to be known and heard. So, you know, look, the, I think that that specific is what endears us to all of our fans around the world that we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do the honest thing and the ethical thing. Um, and I'm sure as we get bigger, we'll start to come on the radars of, of bigger brands. But, you know, our, our long-term hope is that we can just inspire more of the bigger labels to take and adopt the fully transparent approach to their supply chains, because that's the only way in luxury that a lot of these independent artisan businesses will be able to survive. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I find that a lot in my business too. It's such a fine line because um, our whole shtick and what we believe in is honest marketing, which you know, we're, we're like you are small, a small fish, right? So some of the bigger agencies haven't really caught on yet to what we're doing or what we're saying, but I also believe in not sort of putting them on the, you know, chopping block and calling out people, but it's also very frustrating at the same time. So with my marketing and my messaging, I try and, you know, say that it can be frustrating to hear this and it can be, it can feel sleazy to sell this way without actually calling anybody out. And I think that's beautiful because it's not really our path to do that. But when you get so involved in an industry and understanding what's really going on, it can be, it can be difficult to restrain myself sometimes. So I, <laughs> I applaud you for doing that. And I think too, the way I see, you know, you're obviously very much in this world and I'm very interested in it, uh, what you're doing. I have a lot of guests on here. I think my, my listeners are, they kind of go on this journey with me because whatever I'm interested in at the moment is what the podcast is all about. And right now it's this idea of ethical, sustainable fashion, consumerism, fair trade, all of this stuff. So I've had all of these different guests on here. I actually have another woman coming on from Holland next week that is doing very very similar work to you. And it's just what's on my mind right now. So, uh, and when I, when I think about that kind of stuff, I think it's on a lot of people's mind, right? Because I really believe yeah. in this sort of collective energy. And so when I'm thinking about something or my mind is getting really interested in something, I, I'm not the only one. So I do think that the future of fashion, especially with this pandemic right now, even more so people are so, aware of where they're giving their money. Even lately, uh, which I'm embarrassed to say, I wasn't getting my produce delivery from like the local people in Santa Cruz. I was doing like the California produce delivery. And then as soon as this whole thing happened, we switched to the local one and we're trying to support our, you know, stop. We stopped ordering Amazon and we're trying to order from everybody local. And as sad as that is to say, it took a global pandemic for me to do that. I was, I was thinking about it before, but sometimes the convenience for us, because we like yourselves are a a sort of two man show here running a business. It's just sometimes really hard, which is why I really appreciate the experts like you coming on my podcast and telling me how it works and where to shop. And you make it really easy (laughs) for me. I think, I think Krista as well is that first of all, the world doesn't need another fashion brand. Absolutely not. Right. Um, But what it does need is maybe people that have got the courage to try and enlighten other people as to how it could be. And, you know, I think if, if you're deep into the industry or even if you're just interested in it and you do read the media, you know, fashion is one of the biggest polluters to the planet, you know, fast fashion has, has been, you know, fueled from this, this overall consumerism at a price. And I think when we're looking at this current situation, I think the hope from our side is that, you know, ultimately the only thing that is truly sustainable is if none of us purchase anything. Right. But that's, (laughs) that, that, that's a fad that is very nice to quote, but is never going to happen. So what we hope coming out of this is that people will actually just pause. And instead of looking at something from a, you know, convenience and price plays a role in that, how quickly it can be shipped to you, et cetera, that people will think, you know, maybe a little bit deeper about what the impact of their purchase is going to have. And I think those brands that are adopting transparency and, 
you know, you've got a lot of leaders out there in the US as well that are leading this movement. Um, you know, the consume, the modern consumer and the socially conscious consumer, they're demanding transparency. They want facts. They want to know who's made it, where it's been made, how it's been made, uh, what raw materials were involved. Um, you know, and I think our approach is, is, is trying to look at this, this top of the triangle, the most aspirational part of fashion, which is luxury. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was completely surprised a few years ago when no one was really leading by example at that part. And I think that's kind of what inspired us to go in there and not just take on the top part of the pyramid, but also do it in a way that is ultimately my belief going to start to appeal to more and more people's values. And I think none more so than when everyone comes out of this pandemic, people will still want to buy, but they'll want to buy more conscious And they'll want to buy quality as opposed to quantity. They'll want still to buy things that are, you know, in a lot of cases built to last, you know, and and that's kind of our our whole dream and goal is to protect, protect all of these artisans, not just in Italy, but in France, in US, in Japan, in, you know, the the United Kingdom. Um, There's a lot of these people that have poetry in their hands. And if we don't all collectively do something about, you know, helping save them, then our kids and our grandkids will never grow up understanding what it's like to have that object of beauty that's been made by the hand. Wow. I love the way you talk about it. It's like, you can just tell it's your whole passion. It's your whole world. And it's just so beautiful to listen to you talk. And I, I have to agree with you. I am very deep in marketing and the consumer is craving transparency. The consumer is craving authenticity. And I find, I find a time and time again, that authenticity wins and it's so beautiful to witness that shift happening. And I can see it people, even in the way they're consuming content and advertising, it has to be real. It has to feel real. There has to be a why behind it. And I just think that you know, companies like you, it's so funny because you and I have such a similar mission, but such different, we're in completely different industries, but we both believe in so many of the same things. And I'm finding that more and more with people. So I I totally agree. And I think it's so much more fun to market. And that was sort of my next question for you. And I know before this, you were involved in Tom's. So you were also involved in a company that was for good. Um, But it just feels good to market and sell products when you have a business that you truly believe in. And um, how has that been for you? I mean, your, your brand, and I mean, you guys, you're, you're an artist. Um, you guys are artists yourselves. I can tell by just looking at your website and your brand and the, the quality of these artists and the, the products that you're curating. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful, stunning, stunning stuff. And how, when you go to market and sell that, um, well, I guess before it was Tom's, but do you feel, I guess my question is around selling and marketing this stuff and how people perceive it and how people receive it around the transparency piece. Sure. So I think the the first and the foremost thing, and this was um, was clearly learned by me and the rest of the the team when I was at Tom's, is that you know we're we're based in Europe, and for all of the good that comes with, you know, tradition and history and um, benchmarks from 100, 200, 300 years ago, there is also a highly cynical uh, consumer approach over here, yeah. which is, is starting to change. But basically, you know, most of mo- the majority of the global true traditional luxury brands have all got something called heritage. Mm. Right. And they, they play to that heritage. They go back into archives from 150 years ago or 90 years ago, whatever. Um, so if you don't have the heritage, you need to, you need to look from a different angle and, and that's kind of what we did. So what I would say is that first and foremost, because Europe is our, our back garden, um, you need to make products that are aesthetically appeasing to people appealing to people right so our, our type of products are they're very um minimalistic in terms of branding 
because we we're not a brand that believes in big logos. Um, we want the actual craftsmanship to shine through in all of the products that we make. And I think our first notion was let's first make products that that really inspire people. And you know, the credit there goes to Lisa because Lisa designs all of our products. Wow. But second, yeah. Yeah, so it's all in-house design. We do everything and then we work with our artisan partners to yeah, fulfill the execution on the brief. Um, so from that aspect, first we need to make product that people want. Then our price point needs to be way more attractive than a traditional brand. So the beauty of selling direct to consumer, as you guys know in the States, is that you know the you can cut out all of the middle middleman costs associated with it. So when we are selling a 100% made in Italy, sourced in Italy, crafted in Italy product for a third of the price, then all, all of a sudden people really start to like what we stand for. So they're, they're brought in by the quality and the look of the product. They're enthusiastic then about the type of quality price ratio we're offering. And then they really start to become fans and loyal based on the story and our mission of what we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, the, the interesting things that we've seen is that as we get a little bit bigger and we've been around a little bit longer, we now start to see uh, customers or new customers coming to us for different aspects of what we're trying to do. You know, so either they're looking for something that's definitely on trend or it's at a right price point, or it's got that made in Italy stamp, mm-hmm. or, hey, these guys are trying to disrupt a, you know, a $280 billion a year luxury consumer goods business, and I want to support them. Or I love the fact that they donate 1% of their turnover, not profit, but turnover, because that's also transparent, back yeah. to educational causes. So, yeah, it's it's starting to resonate on many different angles, and what I would say about marketing and having come out of, you know, the industry, the beauty of being transparent is that you are never having to fabricate a story for a launch. You yeah. just tell the truth. So you can always remember every single season what you've done and what you said, because, you know, it's like you're working with family and our customers are our family, our artisans are our family you know, the, the charities that we support are all part of this broader community movement of society, right? And it's the yeah. fabric of society. So, yeah, having, having been schooled in marketing and, and I, I was schooled in America as well, yeah. I think at the end it took me 20 plus years to come back to the fact that the best marketing is honest marketing. Wow. Well, you're, we're in the right conversation then because that's my <laughs> whole thing. Well, it's so funny because so many things you're saying about your brand, I say about my brand, I always say, you know, quality over quantity and just all of this stuff. Look for quality customers and followers don't matter. And I always say the easiest thing is to, to sell is the truth. And that that's sort yeah. of the thing that I say over and over again. And good marketing is just telling the truth and telling good stories. So Um, It's really beautiful what you're doing. I wanted to talk more about the education piece. What type of education are you providing the next generation of artisans? How does that work? So when when we started, we we obviously had a very clear impact goal, which was defined from a primary standpoint within the industry that we're working in. How can we help solve? the challenge of the artisans to identify the next generation. Mm -hmm. So we kind of took that as our, our starting point. And as we came out of the blocks, you know, we said, okay, we do want to have this social responsibility element, this give back component. So we started to work with the charity in India, which takes kids out of the slums and helps provide uh, meals on a daily base for them and schooling, et cetera. So that was great. Then we started to work with an organization in Maputo, in Mozambique, that were taking kids out of the slums and using the game of soccer 
to help improve and empower their lives. Then we started to look at uh, organizations closer to home. So for last Christmas, we or for the last holiday season, we decided to do our anti-Black Friday and anti-holiday season promotion. So instead of giving discounts, we raised the amount of give towards going back to an organization which was educating the next generation of caregivers on how to treat children who have got prolonged hospital stays. So, you know, we've been continually working with different organizations in in different parts of the world. But ultimately, you know, our goal is to help the people that actually produce our products because that's truly the, the, the only way that we can then fulfill our mission, right? So right. We're, we're talking with now the European Union about grants so that we can actually start our own foundation, which is specifically focused on the preservation of the Italian cultural legacy, which is craftsmanship. So hopefully within the next 12 months, we'll be able to actually kickstart our own uh, foundation, which will be solely focused on identifying the next generation and pairing them with our artisans. That is so, so we, cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, I think that's kind of what really, it's, it's beautiful to make lovely things, but actually when those lovely things can go back towards helping a legacy continue towards the next generation, of, especially in what we're doing, I think that's when our circle becomes truly uh, formed. And then, you know, we can be self-sufficient as our brand grows as well. That's so beautiful. Wow. I'm so all about your mission. Lastly, with the artisans, how do you find them? I I also have, um, you know, I've interviewed a bunch of people that have similar uh, missions that you have, and they actually get a lot of slack and a lot of sort of people fighting back when you say you're transparent that actually sort of attack you even more around this idea of social good and paying artisans what they're worth and all that stuff. Did you find that happened with you as well? Um, Well, first of all, it was extremely difficult to find them because the best of the best are normally the best kept kept secrets as well. What's happening in luxury, especially in Europe, is that a lot of the major conglomerates have been trying to buy up, you know, those independent artisans for the last 10 years so that they can basically cover all of their capacity or as much of their capacity as they can in-house. So the amount of independent third parties that are at a skill level whereby, you know, the big, big major houses would work with them are few and far between. And then once you do come into contact with them, there is a, there's a really a kind of a gray zone and the gray zone normally hides behind the label made in Italy. Mm. So as you may be aware, there's been countless investigative journalists that have gone out and undercovered brands who are applying the stamp made in Italy to their product, but are actually finding out that it's been for 90% produced in Eastern Europe, Northern Africa, China. So, you know, the consumer has, has been misled for a long time as well. And I think Ultimately, the only way to stamp out all of that and to pay true cost, true worth with real high quality materials is to be transparent on where all of these come from. And, you know, when when we first posed that to our artisans, they, they kind of laughed at us. They're like, well, no wow. one's ever done that before, you know, and then we were like, even they reacted like that. That's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And then we were like, well, you know, we want to go just we want to go to the next level as well. So how would you feel if we would put your name on the product? And they were like, what? It's like, yeah, we'll co-brand it. Because, you know, if we say we're going to be transparent, we want to give you visibility. So your name has to be on our product. And then on our website, we're going to put all your bios on there and your contact details. And I think they thought, you know, we we were definitely crazy at first. But (laughs) when the New York Times interviewed us a a year ago, I saw that. Yeah, we brought some of our guys over from Italy. And, you know, Marco Cini, that runs one of the oldest um, cashmere weaving 
luxury cashmere weaving textile companies in uh, Tuscany. <laughs> they were they were asking him, so what do you think of Martin and Lisa? And he was like, oh, I think they're kind of like Robin Hood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah. But it's now, you know, what, what started off as, a, as an idea four years ago has ultimately create, helped us create a brand. We've been able to identify and onboard investors from the Middle East, the United States, Europe, towards having our partners who are not partners, they're our family. And I think that's, that's the beauty of why we're passionate about what we're doing is that it's not a business. We're building a big family where everybody needs to earn a fair amount, obviously, to be able to cover their own costs. But the mission is bigger than almost the cogs in the wheel. If yeah. you if you understand what I'm saying, and oh, I hundred percent. I, I, 100%. I yeah, we have that's, the, that's what's really driving us. So yeah, it's um, you know the, the the nice thing now is that obviously when you when you start to get picked up and more and more people start to know about what we're doing, now artisans are reaching out to us. Mm, that's so cool. And emailing us and going, oh, we've been following you. We love how passionately you talk about our culture, our region, our people, our skill. You know, we'd love to introduce you to our, our company when you're next in Italy and, and France and different countries. You know, we've had artisan companies from Japan reach out to us in the US. So I think we're starting to really resonate with, with, with a lot of people at different levels as well. Oh yeah. And still to be so young, I didn't realize that you were only four years old as a company. We're just three years old and, and it's um, amazing what can happen in that short amount of time and how many people can sort of get on board with what you're doing. And I think, you know, for me, I always look at things with a marketing hat and I'm so curious to why things work and why things don't work. And for me, it always comes down to, and I mean, always the intention behind something and it's okay to make money. We all, you know, it's, it's a pillar of happiness. We need abundance and it's important to create that. Like you said, I think of my team and my, the, the collective of people that I work with as family as well. And to be able to support them is so, so, so important to me. But the original intention here wasn't to make everybody a lot of money. It was to, you know, create a way of, selling yourself, of talking about yourself, of sharing your gifts with the world that is honest. And it's like exactly what you're doing with these artisans. And it's just, it's so funny to be sitting here, you know, we're across the world from each other. It's, I don't even know what day it is with this quarantine. It's, <laughs> it's Thursday morning and we're just, you know, it's so beautiful for me to continuously, this is why I love this podcast because people just fall right into my world who I didn't know about before. And our missions are just so, so similar. So I just really I think appreciate the beauty, yeah. It's I think beautiful. the beauty as well, Krista, with a podcast is that, especially in these times, you know, you can take people to to a place that you know maybe they've always dreamed of being, but never had the opportunity to go. And if you can uh, provide some some authentic and honest content that goes with that, then you know, even better because it's there are people that are are searching for you know captivating content, especially at this time. Oh yeah. Content is king. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the pod, the podcast is doing so well and it's just so funny. The, the timing I think is so interesting because we were supposed to talk last week and then now we're talking this week and just every week, whoever I talk to the timing just like, couldn't be, couldn't be better. And I'm excited to continue to follow your journey and support you guys and shop from you. I'm already looking Thank at you. what I want, but I do have a last question and that's yes. about, that's a little bit more personal because I too work with my partner. And my question is, what's your secret to working with your partner? You guys also have kids, you were telling me yes. before. So um, that gives me hope yeah. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that that's possible. We're, we're about almost two years into our marriage and uh, my husband he joined me. We sort of joined up and formed this company together three years ago. So actually we weren't even engaged yet when we decided to do this together. And it's kind of crazy looking back on it, but it definitely brings a whole other element to business uh, working yes. with my spouse. So how is that for you? Do you have any advice? Tell me, tell me what you feel comfortable telling me. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I mean, look, uh, first of all, Lisa's always right. <laughs> That's probably 
probably you know <laughs> the best piece of advice is that you know listen to the boss and you'll be you'll, yeah. you'll go a long way um now look when we we had worked together about 14 years ago um when i'd left tommy hilfiger we started a, a fashion company together but it was a distribution company so we'd already had experience of working together for five years before I went back into the corporate world. And, you know, she's, she's been a major part of every major decision I'd made in my career, mm. but obviously a major part of every decision I've made privately. So when we decided we were going to do this ourselves, um, we really sat down and, and consciously mapped out, okay, first of all, what values do we want to put into this? because they've got to be the values which keep us connected 100% as a family. So if we can add those values into our brand, we're going to look at our brand as, as, a new, as a new baby, as an offset of what we've already created as a family. So, you know, I think after, after identifying what they were, we then kind of looked at what our, our unique skills are. And, you know, Lisa's extremely talented in visual aesthetics. She's got a real keen eye for style, quality. Um, That's for she, sure. She's, she, you know, she's completely self-taught with InDesign, Photoshop, all of the creative elements from Adobe, um, you know, and I'm, I'm good at other things, you know, maybe like brushing the brushing the floor of our store and <laughs> uh, telling our story to people and yeah. you know so we we balance each other off very well and I think that that's probably the key towards us being able to get so far in our in our brand um you know we we have discussions and I've got input in areas where Lisa's focused on and vice versa so the ability to listen twice as much as you speak, that's why we've got two ears and one mouth, is a pretty good piece of advice. And yeah, you know, like empower. If we're, if we're saying we're all about empowerment of our artisans, then I think working with your spouse, you've also got to empower your spouse in the areas where they, where they want empowerment. And if you do that, that is a real key for success because then, you know, both people remain as passionate as they were on day one, as they are on yeah. four years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's really key for us too, is we own such different parts of the business. And I think people sort of envision us sitting side by side, like working, talking, collaborating. And most days, I don't even know what Clay's working on because I just <laughs> trust him so fully with the parts of the business that he owns and vice versa. And I think when we do hit those sort of areas of disagreement. I think it's really funny for clients because sometimes we're on the we're on a call and we're quite direct with each other. We're quite sharp in the way that we communicate in front of other people yeah. and I think people are like, "Oh my gosh, but we fight for what's right." So I think our clients know at the end that, you know, if Clay has Clay has one strategy and I'll be on a call with a client and then he'll come in and be like, oh, you shouldn't do that strategy. And it's like the whole strategy I just pitched them. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like the best strategy wins. But I really like what you're saying about empowering the other person's strengths. And I definitely am hearing you and also the listening piece. I think that's really important too, but celebrating. And when, when it comes down to it for us, we physically couldn't do this without the other person. Like there would be no authentic audience without Clay. Right. It feels the same way about me. So on the days that it's hard, I think we just constantly remember to celebrate each other. But it's funny because so many people are like, I don't, now that they're home, you know, everybody's home with their yeah spouses right now trying to work and they're like, I don't know how you guys do it. And for me, there's really no other way. So it's fun when I get to meet other people that are, that are also doing that because we're quite, you know, new to the whole entrepreneurship and marriage. It's yeah. only been a few years and knock on wood, people really like what we're doing and we deliver good work and good results. And so we're actually doing we're actually succeeding. And uh, I think when you start a business, it's hard to think about success. All you think about is every way you're trying not to fail. And then all of a sudden, one day you look up and, and you are succeeding. And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share with your partner. So 
Yeah, I'm really excited to follow your journey, the two of you. It's so beautiful. The way you talk about it is just so authentic and poetic and um, educational. I think education in, in what you're doing is such a crucial piece to this whole thing. I feel like I've learned so much in in this conversation, but it was still so easy and it flowed and it was conversational, but I feel like I have like all of this new information and this new eye and this new filter to when I'm shopping. And I'm really, I'm seriously, I'm still sitting here looking at these uh, coral sneakers. I'm feeling like I have to, I have to get them. They're just like so cool and so beautiful. And if my listeners, you have to check out this website, every single piece is like absolutely stunning. And you can tell I think you can just, I don't know if it's just me, but you can feel, I I feel this way about food too, when it was made with love and when it was made right, you can actually feel it. It smells different. It tastes different. And I can, I can feel that when I'm looking at the, the products that you guys have on your website. So how is the best way to support you guys? Is it to shop? Is it to spread the word? How, give me all the calls. Both. Both. I mean, you know, I think part of our sustainability approach is that we make limited quantities of I see everything. that yeah which yeah. is great so, marketing but <laughs> it's it's honest <laughs> you know I think at the end right if you if you are going to spend decent money then you know there's still an aesthetical element to it that you know you don't want to see every other person in your neighborhood with the same product so we specifically uh, reduce our footprint by producing very, very small quantities of any given run. And, you know, that is something that has really resonated with our, with our customer base. So when we, when we started, you know, people, they, they had to see it to believe it, but now they, they know that we only make 24 pairs of a, of a shoe in a color. Right. <laughs> we have, we have like a WhatsApp group and people are like, okay, I'm pre-ordering because they know that maybe we'll make one pair in that specific size. So, you know, they start to get trained now and they're they're pre-ordering it. And, you know, as we grow, then um, the the word of mouth is starting to spread even more and more. So, you know, for us, it's like if we have the opportunity, which is what we did last year, which was to actually send – a customer of ours to our cashmere factory so they could see how their scarf and their throw was made alongside at the exact same time the two biggest names in luxury they were so blown away that they were able to see that and that marco who runs uh, lanificio arca he then you know he took them out for lunch because that's the italian way so Ah. we're trying to work on more experiential ways of connecting with our customers as well and now these customers you know they're, they're going to go to italy again this year for holiday right. and they're going to and they're going to pop in and have a lunch with marco you know so we're, we're trying to connect so people cool. as well so anything you can do krista to you know spread the word tell your friends tell it's your so listeners. funny as we're talking i've actually texted um your website to six different people just while we're oh, talking and to my friend <laughs> my friend adam specifically is just going to go wild over this stuff he he appreciates this kind of this kind of everything that you're doing, he's just going to go wild over. So it's craftedsociety.com. You can see all the collections. And as you're talking, it's so funny. And I find that the best brands do this, this whole thing where you're creating only, you know, a handful per, per order is like one of the best forms of marketing. It's urgency and scarcity. Right. And so, and you're doing it naturally, you're doing it authentically. And when you can do that, it's just, it works and it's so cool to see and I'm totally celebrating you guys today and I'm just grateful for this call and we have really awesome listeners. I have a really engaged, cool audience that they're just the like-minded community, right? I just see them as an extension of this collective. And whenever I'm doing these podcasts, I never forget that there's somebody on the other end listening to this and that that's who it's for. And this is intentional. And today, you know, this was all for them. So it was just so beautiful to talk to you and connect with you across the world. I'm finding these connections. I always love connecting with people, but I'm not sure if you feel this way right now, but in this time, especially connecting with strangers in this time, it's a really weird time to meet somebody for the first time, just because there's this commonality that we did not have before. We're both sitting at home trying to figure out the best way to survive. And it's just such an interesting 
time for new connections, I'm finding. I, I think so. And, and it goes back to what we spoke about at the very beginning. And that was regarding authenticity, mm-hmm. right? So when, when you're connecting with new people in a time of, of despair, which is what you know a lot of countries and a lot of people are going through at this moment, and those stories that you are connecting on are in are authentic and are humanly driven, then I think you know it, it gives you hope that you know the world will recover and you know people will come out of this stronger and maybe they'll come out bruised and with a little bit less money in their pocket, but they are going to think about you know those people out there that continuously put others before themselves at a time like this. And, you know, I think that's, uh, they're going to be the, the businesses and the brands and the people that will, will, will resonate ultimately yeah. and, and be around for decades to come. A hundred percent. What a beautiful note to end on. The last thing I want to say, I'm going to keep in touch with you because my whole family is actually supposed to, we're supposed to go to Italy in September. Um, right. We were about to book our flights right before this whole thing happened. Um, my dad's always wanted to go. So we're all going, we haven't done a family trip. My husband, my sister, her partner, we have this whole Italy plan. So I'm definitely going to keep in touch because that would be such a cool thing to, uh, share with my family. We have a whole list of must-see things, must-see, must-see people, experiences, culture, cuisine. We're like Italy's encyclopedia at the moment. I'm so, so I'm so excited to connect with you more, especially I think um, there's one thing about teaching the younger generations, right? But I'm finding so much that uh, I, I'm getting the opportunity to teach my parents a lot of things, yes. to teach uh, my husband's parents a lot of things. And, and that's such a cool thing that I never even thought would happen. I always thought, oh, you know, my parents are set in their ways. You know, I'm not going to change their mind. But just by living and uh, walking the talk and sharing, you know, you never want to be an asshole. And sometimes it's really hard with your parents to not be an asshole and tell them what to do. But just by, (laughs) you know, having this podcast and them listening to this, I just think it's a a whole beautiful shift that we can do for the generations before us and after us. So I would love to keep in touch and, um, and follow along your journey. So thank you. Thank you for your problem. We hope that we'll be at some point this year coming and doing a, a U.S. Crafted Society Roadshow. So we'll yeah. be keeping in touch um, when we come to L.A. or Costa Mesa or Santa Clara. Oh, yeah. Santa Clara to. is very close to me. So just keep me posted. I'd love to Absolutely. connect with you in person. I'd love to, uh, yeah, just continue this conversation. Thank you for no doing No problem. Thank you for doing yeah. what you do. I think it's so important and... Um, I'm just grateful that there are people like you and Lisa in the world uh, having this. It's such a specific thing that you're doing and it's so important. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate being on your show today, Krista. Loved it. Thank you so much. And to everybody listening, wherever you are, I hope you're having a beautiful day. I hope you are being easy on yourself. It's a weird time. So until next week, uh, keep growing.